rather spectacular. Lisa Lipton is in the Artichoke Cafe today. She's the executive director of Opera Theatre Oregon and their principal clarinetist and so much more. She's a very, very busy human. She has a live-streamed event on her birthday, Tuesday, August 25, at Polaris Hall, which will feature Micah Hummel on drums, George Colligan on piano, Mark Duback on clarinet, Camille Marie Sherman, mezzo-soprano, Daniel Mobs, bass baritone, Sequoia on piano, and our friend Jim Brumberg on guitar. All kinds of music featured. It will be quite an event. She absolutely loves the clarinet and related instruments. A lot. Let's meet Lisa Lipton. So welcome to the Cafe at Artichoke. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. I like, you know, I, I, sometimes I do these with people that I know or that I've met. But sometimes I, I do these with people I've never met, which is you. Yeah. And it's almost, it's weird because I, I can only see your mask. I mean, I can see your eyes, <laughs> but I can't really see who you are, you know? That's true. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> I wonder if you could guess my... <laughs> the shape of my nose no. from the mask no. probably not no. 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 i'm guessing you don't have a beard either maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> the bearded lady <laughs> the bearded clarinetist now that would be a, that would, that, there's a niche maybe there's yeah niche, yeah <laughs> speaking of clarinets i had a dream i met benny goodman last last week that's a fun dream I met. I was introduced to Benny Goodman by the guy who used to uh, be the bartender at at uh, Jimmy Max. Oh, JD. Yeah. In my dream, he introduced me to this guy who was not Benny Goodman. What year was this in your dream? I, it's hard to say. Hard to say because yeah. he looked like a an old European man with a with a, with a, a, a heavy overcoat and a, and a and a like a, a wool suit. Oh. It was weird. So is winter in your dream? Too? Only for him. Only for <laughs> his personal winter. Yeah. And the weird thing was that I was supposed to jam with him. That's not weird. That's cool. <laughs> well, it is if I could. And I had a trumpet there. Oh. But I haven't played the trumpet since fourth grade. You know, I think that's a good place, good time to just kind of, you know, if you get the opportunity but, to jam with Benny Goodman. So I talked to Benny Goodman. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And he was like world weary. What does was, that mean? Like he was he back was, from the dead and he was like, Hello. no, he was, it was like, he was tired or something, you know, he oh. wasn't in a good mood. And, uh, <laughs> Damn. and then I, I was, I was getting anxious cause I knew I was going to have to jam with him and I didn't know how to play the, the trumpet. So, <laughs> um, that's kind of awesome though. Yeah. And he didn't actually, he didn't, he didn't look like Benny Goodman or Steve Allen who played Benny Goodman in the movie. Benny Goodman Weird. story. You ever see that? No. Yeah, yeah. Steve Allen plays Benny Goodman in the Benny Goodman story. Is it a good movie? No. Oh. <laughs> well, then I probably won't see it. <laughs> oh, no. Then that means you should see it. Okay. Yeah. It's like good, bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so you're a clarinetist? Yeah. I love it. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Why do I love it? Um, at this point, I love it because I've had, you know... A little over 20 years with it uh -huh. it's like I feel when I pick up that instrument and I used to feel this way about piano but when I pick up that instrument I feel like it's like home you know uh -huh. you pick it up I can always depend that if I want to play something or if I want to experiment uh -huh. that it's like it's almost like it replaces your voice or something 
It's a um, it's a part of you. Yeah. 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 I actually had a friend once in college. I was like, "What are you going to name your clarinet?" He's uh, <laughs> like, "I can't name that. It's like my third arm." Ah, because it's interesting. I've said I've told the story before. So, if you're listening and you've heard it before, I don't care. Um, <laughs> Zoe, uh, Zoe, the um, uh, the uh, cellist. Zoe, Zoe. Anyway, she's an avant-garde cellist, and she's great. Keating, Zoe Keating. Okay. Um, we had a conversation one time about when she needed to get a new cello because she had had one since she was 12 and then she, you know, mm. so she was 30 and she needed a new one and she said it was like auditioning boyfriends oh yeah 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 i could see that i mean <laughs> but it's like it's even bigger than that because this thing is representing you uh-huh like you know my significant other doesn't represent me i represent me <laughs> so this has got to like be yeah it's like oh auditioning somebody to be you <laughs> be a catalyst between you and the public and you and other artists i definitely and, feel that for sure and the universe yeah yeah maybe i'll get to have a dream where i can play <laughs> with benny goodman <laughs> what would you play with benny goodman oh my god <laughs> i don't even know okay <laughs> that's such a high pressure question i'm sorry <laughs> it just occurred to me and you might, you might know uh, but you play with ben, i don't know who knows you know what were you gonna play uh, you don't know i don't know because i can't play <laughs> i mean not since the fourth grade yeah and probably he didn't know the he, he didn't I, I didn't remember the songs that i played in the fourth grade and and, yeah. he, and i'm sure he didn't know them either it's gonna be a hot take on hot cross buns yeah really <laughs> <laughs> So how many clarinets do you own? Oh, um, okay. So I've got my primary B flat uh -huh. and my A clarinet. I really should just say my primary clarinets. But the A, you know, speaking of relationships, I've had the B flat, <laughs> you know, since I was 14. That's wow. like, it's like getting time, you know, like I'm going to have to. Oh. I know. But it, it's complicated with woodwinds because it's not like, um, you know, violins and stuff and cellos. Uh -huh. You get into this world where the older and better well kept they are. It's yeah, like, you yeah, know, they just yeah. appreciate with age. Um, oftentimes with woodwinds, it's not the same, right? Oh. We're like constantly putting spit in there, right? the moisture, the pads, like all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And they get sharper or flatter, you know, they've got problems. Um, so it's a little different, but there are people that are, you know, that have played on their same clarinet for like 25, 30 years. Wow. But this one that I got, I got, you know, at that age and it was a professional instrument uh -huh. then. Um, and I really, I mean, I love it. And the action's still amazing. Huh. My A clarinet, I got. Wait a minute. How did you get it? Uh, my parents. Yeah? Yeah. I kind of. Did you go pick it out? So we, the process with them is that you order them from the factory and they send you three at a time. Huh. And then you try three at a time. So me and my clarinet teacher at the time, we were like trying these three. Uh -huh. um, and I don't even know if I really would have had the ear to like you know know what i was looking for so it's good that i had somebody yeah then helping me yeah um so i kind of decided really early on that i was going to do music for life uh -huh. like i was like this is what i'm going to do yeah. with my life yeah so i think that that you know graduating into a professional instrument early on was good for me yeah um but the a i don't have the same relationship with necessarily i love it but it doesn't feel as home uh-huh you know because the B flat, it's like I've had it so much longer. Huh. Um, but so I have those two. I play those every day. Really? Um, I have the bass clarinet on loan. 
um, because Dunya Jennings really, um, sorry, Dunya Markham, really uh, amazing clarinetist also at Lewis and Clark. Mm -hmm. She um, she had been letting me borrow it because I was supposed to premiere a piece at the mm -hmm. National Composers Association annual conference at Lewis and Clark in March. Um, and it was this piece with a lot of like interesting high multiphonics mm -hmm. on bass clarinet and kind of my jam is extended technique. Like I really, I enjoy new music and I enjoy the challenge of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy bringing to life different people's ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, so I've, I've had it off and on. I borrowed it for a couple operas before, but I didn't really have a, a deep dive with it, mm. I would say. Like I wasn't playing it every single day, but now mm -hmm. I'm playing it every day. Really? Yeah, because I'm premiering this crazy piece for drum set and bass clarinet on this upcoming show I have. And so I have to, yeah, I mean, I, I have to like kind of familiarize myself with that instrument. So I've, those three are in heavy rotation right now. Uh -huh. um, I've got a couple E-flat clarinets, which a, not a ton of people, I think, like to play those, and not a lot of people in town, um, I think, play them Why is that? very regularly. So it's super loud. Oh. It's unwieldy. <laughs> it's harder to, in my opinion, the embouchure on that, because the clarinet embouchure is like a lot different than saxophone and other uh -huh. instruments. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of activation of these muscles. Uh -huh. Um, which, I, which muscles? They can't see that. I know. You can't see my mouth. These ones on the side here. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I feel like um, when you play E-flat clarinet, you're just, you're trying so hard to raise that pitch or lower it uh -huh. all the time because it's so high. So it's so much more obvious when it's maybe slightly out of tune. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the piccolo of clarinets. Huh. So we don't use it that often uh -huh. unless you're playing in a symphony um, or a clarinet choir which i did play it in both of those occasions so i've got two of those and then i've got a metal clarinet from the 30s really and then i've got a clarinet from the 1890s early 1900s really? that played professionally wow. in an orchestra for several <laughs> years i found out by looking up the serial number <laughs> and i got that from my old work at ethos music center uh -huh. um, and that one actually if i could the middle joint's a little loose but i would consider playing on that really more if i fixed uh -huh. that Huh. And then I've got a couple other ones. I mean, I have a whole cabinet in my apartment devoted to woodwinds. It's my <laughs> woodwind nook. Uh -huh. So I got a lot of gear for sure. Great. <laughs> I would say on average, I've got about 10 clarinets in rotation. Wow. Yeah. And that's not counting the spares. Well, I don't really have. <laughs> so I don't have like a professional spare, I would okay. say. All right. It's hard, you know, to get like a a decent professional clarinet of like a, you know, something that you can grow with. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You're looking at like 6,500 to 10,000. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. And then a lot of people say they don't really last beyond 10 to 15 years. What so. do they call people who make clarinets? Instrument makers. I don't know. <laughs> Cause like, you know, uh, uh, guitar people who make guitars are called luthiers. Yeah. I just thought maybe there was something that, that uh, well, maybe not because well so stringed instruments they have like a long history right yeah a long history of being made but the clarinet like it's modern form we're looking mm -hmm. at 1850 wow so 
And even then, there's like a lot of modifications, like that early clarinet that I have from 1890s-ish. Yeah. Uh-huh. The registered key is on the other side of the clarinet. Oh, geez. So there's been modifications even still. And recently, like, you know, in the last like 40 or 50 years, they started putting another key really? on the modern clarinet because um, there's like this rule that you're not supposed to slide because you can hear it. Oh, you know, so you got to trade pinkies. Sometimes <laughs> it's unavoidable until we got this extra key. I see. So now we can't slide if you have one with an extra key, but they still make them without. I think it's bulky, personally. I think we're making news here today. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you hardly anybody knows that. Uh, m- maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No I question mean, about it. I mean, I'm pretty, yeah, I guess I'm a little bit more nerdy than I like to admit. Um, and I think about this stuff all the time, obviously, because I play clarinet every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, you should. <laughs> and I will. <laughs> and I will play every day. Yes. Well, speaking of that gig, I, you know, I wanted to get that in uh, close to the top as I could. Yeah. But I hadn't gotten to it yet. But yeah. you, you, op- open, you opened the door. So this, is, this looks like a really interesting gig. Uh, I really wanted to push my limits. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, I've been playing a long time. I do a fair amount of session work. I play um, in orchestras when people ask me to. <laughs> and I play with other people when they ask me to. And I do, you know, I do a lot of gigs. I run Opera Theater Oregon, so I obviously yeah. play in those productions. But I, uh, I feel like I've never really explored the idea of um, kind of taking charge and it being Lisa Lipton as a musician. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I mean, I really, like I said, I really like new music. So I decided to do a show of mainly all new compositions, Uh which usually, um, I feel like when people do new commissions, they do like one or two, Yeah. but I was like, you know, I want to do more than that. Uh So there's only two pieces on the program that aren't new commissions. And they are, um, I'm doing the Poulenc double clarinet sonata uh-huh. i'm doing that with mark dubach who's in the organ symphony um and then i'm also doing the john cage sonata for unaccompanied clarinet wow because i like john cage who doesn't i know i know <laughs> um and you know i toyed with like putting things on it taking it away like i was gonna play the copeland um clarinet concerto written uh-huh. for benny goodman yeah <laughs> um <laughs> But I went on an Artslandia happy hour earlier uh-huh. in the pandemic and did the first part of it up until the cadenza. Well, I played through the cadenza and then that's where I ended. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I need to do some new, just new stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just kind of morphed into what it is. New, new, new or new for you? New, new for everyone. Ah. Yeah. So there's going to be a tribute to Ennio Morricone. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be clarinet and guitar. Um, there's going to be the double clarinet thing. And then um, there's going to be a song cycle for mezzo and clarinet and piano. Uh-huh. And then there's actually, okay, there's one piece that's not, it wasn't written um, for this this show, but it is relatively new. Um, Opera Theater Oregon did Michael Dougherty's uh kind of it's a chamber opera called this land sings and uh-huh. it's uh basically based off the life and times of woody guthrie um wow. and yeah it there's a really beautiful piece in there 
for bass, baritone, and clarinet. Uh, and it's kind of somber, which I feel like, you know, I got to do something that's indicative of the time that we're in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the pandemic yeah. and the clashing of like people's social ideals. Um, well, you remember what Woody Guthrie wrote on, on his guitar? Yes. This machine kills fascists. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's going to be on the program. Uh-huh. Um, a dear friend of mine, Daniel Mobs, he's a resident artist at the Portland Opera. So we're going to do that piece. And then um, the bass clarinet and drum set uh-huh. piece. And then George Colligan is going to do a piece with me and the uh, drummer, Micah Hummel. Uh-huh. Um, Will he be playing piano? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Um, and that piece is crazy. In crazy? The, oh, yeah. In, in the best way possible. I'm very excited about it. Crazy how? Um, it amuses you? It makes you laugh? I love it. <laughs> I did make me laugh when I heard it. Because right? I was like, oh, my God, this yeah. is so much. Yeah. But, like, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like the composer Andrew Durkin. You know him? Mm-mm. Oh, Okay. But you can educate me. Well, he's a strange guy. He's, okay. Matter of fact, the Quadrophones have a, an album coming out of his stuff. And, and it's, it's, it's pretty difficult stuff. Yeah. Um, but when they're finished playing, I've said this before also. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but you've never heard it. No. Um, whenever, whenever they play his stuff, it's, it's a oh, female saxophone, saxophone quartet. Uh-huh. Um, whenever they, whenever they're finished, it's very difficult, right? Yeah. Uh, whenever they're finished, they're all smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I hope that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Um, I was going to include an Albon Berg piece because Uh he's my favorite composer. Is that right? He's, he's definitely like, yeah, like definitely top five. Um, and then this kind of took the place of that and I'm happy it did Uh because as much as I like Berg and, you know, I listen to Lulu a lot, Uh um, I just, yeah, it's good to keep putting and investing in new music uh-huh. and new community. Uh-huh. Tell so, me yeah. about the Morricone piece. Um, so Justin Rawls is a longtime collaborator um, of myself. I've worked with him, you know, the last decade or so. Um, and we've been putting on shows together long before Opera Theater Oregon. We always did like new music shows and mainly because... I think we had the most interest in new music of anyone that we knew. Uh So, Uh you know, we came together on this and he's always written a lot of things for clarinet because I'm very dependable. I will play the piece. I will be there. So, you know, we've done film musics together Uh um, and he did some like heavy clarinet scoring within those Uh um, and within his opera that Opera Theater Oregon premiered and the upcoming one as well. And after he after Ennio Morricone died earlier this year, you know, that I was, cried. say again, I cried. Yeah. I mean, it was emotional for sure. Um, that's one of Justin's biggest inspirations. And I think sure. somebody that he's felt like he's personally learned from, oh, even yeah. though mm-hmm. he hasn't yeah. known him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's such a big, it was such a big part of music and film. Sure. And such a big part of just like overall, like stunning compositions. Mm-hmm. And it was, it embodied the influences of so many different, you know, eras of music too. Sure. When you look at the span and like the thousands of scores that he did. Yeah. I mean, you can't not do some like 
if you're if you're involved in new composition or film music or you know um ambient music or any of that stuff you've mm -hmm. got is I, I just felt like you had to say something um and though i'm not an oboe i know he <laughs> loved the oboe he sure did um <laughs> i do i mean i definitely resonate a lot with like you know his um orchestration and i mean he's written some of the best music of all time film yeah. score or not right so right so is this piece more lyrical Morricone or more spaghetti western Morricone? Lyrical. Ah. Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. So we should have Kleenex with us? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> Good. Good. Every time I watch Cinema Paradiso, I go through a box of Kleenex. Aw. You know what? I found out. I've always loved that movie, and I, I loved it from the, first, from the very first, right? And, 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 and it, it was like... 15 or 20, 20 years later, I found out the whole thing was shot in Chefalu, Sicily, where the D'Antonis come from. Oh, my God. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I recently had a really long conversation about that movie. Yeah. Um, actually, I was talking with George Colligan about it mm -hmm. um, because there might be another surprise tribute oh. that revolves around that. Because huh. it was so, I think it was so impactful for so many people. Sure. Not that your own unique experience yes. isn't special. <laughs> um, but I do think it was one of the more impactful films sure. that he scored. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, 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 the lengthened cut is not as good. Really? There's a second cut, which was like the director went back and put in a lot of stuff that, 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 oh. that didn't make the first one. It's, it's like It doesn't help. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't help at all. Isn't that funny when you yeah. watch something that like either has commentary or they add something in and you're like, oh, yeah. man, yeah. <laughs> God, we got to get editors more cred. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, editors. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I don't get along with copy editors, but every uh -huh. kind of other editor, yeah. you know, video editors or any, any, any audio editors, I'm in love. Yeah. But not copy editors. God damn it. <laughs> Um, anyway, <laughs> well, they take things out. Yeah. And then, and then, they, they, and then your your piece gets published, and it's not. It's they. they I had a piece in the Oregonian one time. Uh -huh. It was very funny. Yeah. It was a. I I I did a piece on on um, um, ads that didn't make it, ads that didn't fly. I went to advertising agencies mm -hmm. and had had them give me ads that, that you know that, that that got rejected, right? Yeah. And it was really funny. It was a funny piece because <laughs> they were horrible, right? They were terrible ads. And they had changed editors and copy editor too. And and I submitted it and it got published and all the jokes were gone. Mm. Anyway. So it went from being comedy to rather serious? Is that it went from, from being comedy to being nothing. Oh, shoot. Yeah, really. With my name on it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that's just me. Um, okay, so uh, uh, this sounds fabulous. Yeah, I'm excited. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Do you get together and rehearse? How do you do that? Okay, so yes, but not at the same time always. Uh -huh. Like tonight, I'm going to have a rehearsal with the drummer. Uh -huh. Um, and the, so we're doing it at Polaris Hall yeah. the venue. Yeah. No one can be there. 
Right. But the space is big enough that I can have, you know, three people rehearsing at a time is not going to like be beyond the realm of possibilities. So you can be in the same, in same space and rehearse. Yeah. Cause it can be far enough apart and I can open the door for airflow and stuff. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated too, because you know, you've got, everyone's got their little circle and like, right. I'm lucky in that a couple people within my circle are also musicians. But early on, I was like, I got to quarantine with musicians or else I'm going to go nuts. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. I can't have that, then. Mm. Um, so it's complicated. And actually, I was thinking about this because I think I told you earlier, um, maybe before this interview, um, I'm playing a socially distant orchestra concert. <laughs> And I was thinking about before I went to rehearsal, how this is going to go down. Like, Uh and it's all outside. None of the rehearsals are indoors. It's all outside. Um, and we're all like, you know, if I'm here, Uh um, oboes like, you know, 10 feet that way. Uh So it's been interesting. Um, and I think that's going to be the way things go for the next couple years. Yeah. So it's just like an adjustment period to like what we see as a successful model for rehearsal. Uh, but I uh. feel on some level, I'm a little ahead of the curve cause I've already done an outdoor opera. Yeah. So like, I understand yeah. what it's like to play outside. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a, I did a, a klezmer gig a couple weeks ago <laughs> and it was all outdoors is all very socially distant. Um, So it can be challenging, especially like for me, some of the challenge with that is just hearing everything. Yeah. Um, And that group has the ability to have in-ear monitors, but so far we haven't really utilized that. Um, But that's, I think the biggest thing is time delay like yeah. from you to the other person yeah. when it's two people or three people, it's not bad when uh-huh. it's 35 people, wow. 65 people, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot that could go wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so what's the status of opera theater, Oregon? So we are continuing to basically move forward with things that could happen during the pandemic. Uh-huh. So at the beginning of it, I made two videos um, just clarinet and, um, another singer. And that's something that it's like, you know, one instrument and another singer is a lot more feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, for one of the recordings, um, me and the singer went and got COVID tested so that we could record in the same room. Cause the thing about woodwinds and opera singers is apparently we spread air yeah. more with yeah. our instruments, right. which I mean, I kind of get. I'm not actually totally sold on the woodwind thing because uh-huh. I don't know how that works. Because when I blow air, you know, everyone thinks that the sound comes out of the bell, but it doesn't. Yeah. It comes out of whatever hole I'm not plugging, right? That's right. just like physics. Yeah. Um, it only comes out of the bell if all the holes are down. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm not sure like how they measured that personally. Uh-huh. Um, but with opera singers, it totally makes sense to me because you're like exuding from your core. Right. You're like projecting. Yeah. Um, so that gets a little tricky. So like for that, we did the COVID testing and then we made some um, videos. We just commissioned um, Damien Jeter mm-hmm. to do uh, a dramatic operatic piece 
um, with, you know, two to three um, instruments and voice, something that would be feasible that we could record and then s just release for streaming. Um, and actually, we have recorded all of and, and done like separate like um, HD video and um, recordings for all of our operas. So all of them are synced except for one, the Woody Guthrie one, and we're in the process of getting that uh -huh. synced so that we can hopefully just release those on a platform for people to watch while we make these smaller dramatic things. Um, and then we're looking at doing um, what was going to be our April show as an outdoor thing. But huh. right now it's a little tricky because a lot of places don't want to book anything. Right. So eventually we'll do that outdoors, likely in 2021. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are looking to 2022 now. Oy. I know. It's hard to say that out loud because it's still 2020 and you're I like, know. what? I know. But uh, I don't think it's going to stop production by any means. I mean, it hasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that our contingency plan is to give artists within uh -huh. the community, especially the local community, as much work as we can. Now, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll be streaming all, all of your performances, right? Um, yeah. All of the ones that we have done already, we've recorded all that stuff is ready to yeah, go. Okay. Um, and then... Will that be behind a paywall? So I'm working and looking into that and kind of like, you know, we want, obviously we need to support ourselves. Um, right. But there is also like a question of um, giving access to people that maybe wouldn't be able to afford it right. otherwise, which is yeah. in our yeah. mission. Our mission is yeah. to do things that are affordable, relevant, socially uh -huh. um, and politically relevant. Uh -huh. And it's like, uh, I don't want anyone to not have access to that. And also, um, it's, it's hard. There's a lot of people that are struggling, um, financially because there's a lot of unemployment, especially in a city full of artists. Right. It's like, and now what? And it's not like once, um, phase this or phase that there's immediately going to be a ton of jobs because the market of everything has slowed down. Right. And our whole market was um, entertainment and food, basically. Correct. So unless everyone is like working and getting takeout and then, yeah. you know, there's just so many question marks. So, right. Right. I mean, we're looking into getting some some more funding that would allow us to, you know, do a lot more streaming stuff and just give it away. Yeah. Um, but I also want to pay people to do the thing. So yeah. it's complicated. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's things are really tough. Um, we lost all of our advertising. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that yeah. for sure. And we we we've we've gone to a GoFundMe. Yeah. You know, we have a very small nut. <laughs> um, but we're you know we're still putting up you know five or six pieces stories a week. That's awesome. You know. Uh, yeah. It is. Um, we've got a, a huge um, um, backlog, not backlog, but a, a, a large library of mm. podcasts and stories, photo galleries from the past. Yeah. We're bringing those back for the, yeah. for the present, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had gone to a model of m multimedia anyway. Yeah. You know, but we had 15 photographers on the street. Yeah. And now nobody wants to go take a picture. Yeah. 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 It's tough. This will reshape things. And yeah. it'll either force us to 
yeah. reevaluate our value system. Right. Like the Mer the Mercury's that. the Mercury's in terrible shape. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they stopped printing. Uh, I mean, somebody told me that. You yeah. know, I can't confirm that, but um, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. You know, and and it's not going to come back quickly. No, especially because the vaccine doesn't equal problem solved. Right. And even right. if it did, that's like two years of economic death. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, that's not something that you just go okay. Okay, how is this affecting? How you play, how you write, how you perform. What what does it what does it do? Um so if anything, it's like I just feel like I have to make a mad grab to like get the community to stay together. Which is part of the reason. So this this show, Lisa and Friends, a contemporary chamber consort, is supposed to happen in July. Um because in August I was gonna be gone. Oh. So it's supposed to happen in July, and there was another, uh, you know, there's Opera Theater Oregon, and then there's a bunch of other little opera things, um, companies or festivals, and Aquilon Music Festival was going to happen at Linfield, and I was supposed to play in the opera there. Huh. So it was, like, timed, like, that thing, um, the Aquilon Music Festival, I think it was Wind Camp, then my show. Yeah. Um, I did the Wind Camp still, virtually. Mm -hmm. That was kind of fun. Um, but uh, I, I realized that, A, I wasn't going to be able to get that stuff going in time. Because by the time I realized the level of devastation that yeah. this was creating, yeah. I mean, I knew it was bad in March, actually. Uh -huh. But um, how it would continue to play out, like, would our numbers continue to rise? Or mm -hmm. would, they, would we actually flatten it? That wasn't something that was clear to me until May. Uh -huh. um, and so in May, I decided that, I would see if I could move it to August. Um, and since I love to have shows on my birthday, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when I moved it to. And basically I got a grant from the regional arts and culture council uh -huh. to do the show. And even though I couldn't really guarantee ticket sales, although there are tickets for sale online, okay. go to my website, lisaclarinet.com. Right. There you go. So easy. Okay. So even though I couldn't like guarantee that or a myriad of other things, I was like, you know, at the very least with the grant money, I can pay the artists uh -huh. and like the people I procured commissions from. Yeah. So I felt it was imperative that I follow through with this if I could do it safely, uh -huh. you know, especially during a pandemic when we don't have a lot to look forward to. Right. Honestly, after the show, I'm like, don't know what's going to happen other huh. than, you know, I'm going to continue to do the stuff I'm doing with Opera Theater Oregon and um, continue to grant write. And Are you able to teach at all online? I do some Zoom lessons. I never had a really big studio, though, because I was performing so much. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. you know, that's something. I have about six to eight regular students. Um, and then I did a wind camp uh -huh. one week. Um and I will also be doing a Klezmer tutorial. Oh, nice. For, yeah, um, the East Winds. Uh, if you look up East Winds, there's a bunch of camps and stuff. Um, it's through Vibe uh, Music. And I'll be doing, yeah, the Klezmer tutorial with that. Um, but, you know, 
I also was doing the master classes in Washington. So uh-huh. Washington State, instead of having marching band, yeah. they've switched to like symphonic training, huh. which is pretty cool, yeah. honestly. Um, so I would go in and I would do sectional coaching for like all of the clarinet sections uh-huh. one day a week at different high schools. Huh. So like one day I'd go to this high school and another day I'd go to this huh. high school. So huh. my teaching wasn't, um, it was more like lecture or large group uh-huh. master class oriented, huh. which I personally like better anyway. And I think that I was set up to like that better because of ethos. Cause I used to be their yeah. summer director for their camp programs, uh-huh. um, and doing like the roaming band, yeah. um, education stuff. But yeah, I don't have a ton of students right now, huh. but I'm focusing a lot of energy onto this. I've had I've had actually some session work this month. Really? I know. That's it's great. It's kind of crazy. Nice. So this month has been like the most yeah. exciting thing yeah. since the beginning of the pandemic. Were you ever in a marching band? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. High school? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All four years. <laughs> I varsityed in marching band. Did okay? you? Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we competed in open class. And we won often. Now, did you do traditional marching band tunes or like pop tunes arranged for a marching band? They, okay, so the first one I did was <laughs> The Mummy. Yeah, it was like arranged The Mummy. And it was, it was crazy. Like it was formational. It was like, um, we did do traditional ones for like parades and stuff, but uh-huh. we had like shows. Really? Like they were like, yeah. <laughs> And I distinctly remember one of the shows. So for the first three years, or maybe it was the first two years, I marched uh-huh. and played. And I, I remember there was a section in which woodwinds, we formed these circles, like circles <laughs> within circles. And then we had to jazz run alternating. So one, one group would be going this way, you know, the other group. And we had to jazz run and play arpeggios. And I was like, this is it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. So then I became pit section leader. Yeah. And so I played xylophone, timpani. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so I, I liked that, too, because I was still running around and playing different things, uh-huh. every other, like, you know, <laughs> phrase. Um, and then the last year, I did, I still played in the pit, but I played contrabass clarinet. And Whoa. I had, like, a crazy <laughs> solo. I was like a, it was a duel off between contrabass clarinet uh-huh. and bassoon. Were, did did you ever second line? Did you ever, uh, in a New Orleans marching marching band? No. Oh. No, but I should do that. Have you have you played very much traditional New Orleans music? No. Oh well, there's the clarinet. I know. I Jeez. know. I need to get into this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that I mean, that might be a new avenue since it'll be outside. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. And, and I hope you have a, a, a you know, I uh, hope, hope your gig is wonderful. And all the information is on the page here. Yeah. And um, uh, really appreciate, you know, appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right.